0: Welcome to the Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business podcast, mizzybiz.com. This is Sue Ann with Right Mix for Business, and I'm so happy you're here. I hope you enjoyed the last episode where we featured Sharon Hurley-Hall and talked about content marketing for anyone with a website, a business, or a blog. And remember that Relationship building is the cornerstone of content marketing and so you need to aspire to be building relationships with your content marketing. So today I thought I'd pop off the beaten path a little bit and bring up a little bit of anatomy of what a blog post is because since we're talking about content marketing let's narrow it down today and get into the topic that I've been putting off with talking about up until now, but I think it fits in here. So I put together a little outline for you about the anatomy of a blog post. One thing that you should know if you're creating blogs, uh, and particularly in this case, we're talking about written content, there's one thing that you should know before you begin. And that is that everybody approaches their writing and their, really their whole process for creating a blog post uh, or a written piece of content a little bit differently. So I'm going to give you, I think, the, the main points that you need to cover. But I'm also going to let you know how I do it. And, you know, maybe give you a couple examples of how other people do it when they don't do it the same as how I do it. And I think that you'll find as you keep doing it, you will have your own unique process that works for you. But you still will need to ca- cover all the items that I'm going to cover with you today. So it's a matter of getting these elements in there. However, the order sometimes or the style, the approach that you take at, at going about it may vary. Okay? So let's talk about the anatomy of a blog post. I think that you don't just sit down to write. I think that creating a blog post starts well before you go to pen and paper or keyboard and device. I think that it starts with an idea a lot of times for me. Um, The idea may stem from something that I need to talk about because people are asking about it, or it may stem from an idea that I've had that's a unique way to think about something. It may stem for, from research that I've been doing on a topic that I've collected a lot of research already, and I have a lot of information on it, and now I'm ready to put together kind of a informational or complete statement on this research in the form of a blog post. But the the point I'm making is that <clears throat> usually the anatomy of a blog post means that you have to start with an idea. If you don't have a special big idea, unique idea, then you can go back to thinking about the topics that are pertinent to your audience, to your blog, to your business, to your industry. And you can brainstorm your brains out coming up with just list and list and list of ideas for posts that focus on or talk about subject matter around that topic and that idea, those, those main categories, your industry and so forth. So it's really easy <laughs> to have ideas and to come up with content around any kind of business or any kind of subject matter, in my opinion. However, sometimes you just have that raging idea and that and you suddenly feel like, okay, I've got an idea, I've got to go with it, this is a post. On the other hand, even though that will be the start for me, sometimes with a post, and you know, for many of you, it starts with an idea, that great idea, this is a post, um, that's good, that's fine, but you also want to remember to be collecting those ideas constantly, and that's one thing that some of the best bloggers that I know, like Hanekah, she has a file she has a she has a collection of thoughts and ideas, or maybe a start of a a blog post or a sentence or two that is something that is in the quay something that she thinks she might come to or want to write about or will spark something or will be just in that idea bank and then she'll get some research around it and it starts to form more of a bigger idea and and then it comes into play. But the point I'm making is always capture your ideas. Come up with a way to capture ideas and everything, in my opinion, is going to start with an idea. Now, that's not what some people talk about when they talk about the anatomy of a blog post. They don't say start with an idea or find a big idea or narrow down your subject matter or do your keyword research. Most, Most of the time you don't hear that. You just Get to let's write. Let's start with the headline, or you know, whatever. But I'm saying it goes a little bit deeper than that. There's a little bit of thought, there's a little bit of practice, there's a little bit of research gathering, there's a little bit of idea collecting, there's a little bit of brainstorming while you're in the shower. There's a little bit more to it before that idea surfaces to the level of I'm ready to write, at least for me. I think it's a good practice. I know a lot of my friends practice in the same way. They've got that quay of ideas. And if they're in a bind for something because they have a published date, they can always look into that file and pull out ideas. I have like mm, 10, 20 things right now that I'm ready to write about whenever I can get it into the schedule. So there's never, for me and for a lot of pro writers, there's never a lull. There's never a point where you don't have something to write about. I can't I kind of can't get it. I don't understand how you can't have an idea. If you're struggling with an idea, get in touch with me. Give me your topic. Give me your categories, and I'll brainstorm with you, because ideas are millions. Um, but let's get into now the real the real nuts and bolts of that anatomy, because that was like a little bit of the introductory stuff that I always throw in there when we talk about any topic. So for The Real Anatomy, my nec- my first thing would be, if you're thinking about writing or p- creating whatever, a blog post of any kind, really, you have to have a purpose. What, before you start, think about what is the purpose of this post. Um, lately, I've been doing that more and more because I'm trying to follow my content strategy and talk about things that I want to talk about that are key topics and categories for what I do on the blog. I also want to talk about things I'm learning, which is always current, current topics in my industry. So, you know, that's always something that's on the top of my mind and easy to pull out because I'm constantly learning, studying, growing, taking courses, attending things, you know, taking it all in and trying to stay up to date with the industry. But when you're writing down a post, when you're starting a post, when you're starting with your anatomy, stop and think... What is the purpose of this blog post? Am I telling people how to do X? Am I demonstrating some information about a particular subject matter like a how to use a tool that I use in my business? Am I trying to demonstrate an idea in a bigger perspective in the industry? Am I talking about content marketing, but in a new way? Am I talking about social media? And if so, why is it important? What is the purpose of talking about this? Do I want people to share this on social media? Do I want them to subscribe to my newsletter? Do I want them to leave a comment? Do I want them to read on to the next thing? what do I want them to do? There's usually a purpose. Do I want them to learn something that they can run out the door and start using in their business today? Whatever the purpose of your writing, clarify it and focus on it up front. So when you have a purpose, you then pull all the other ingredients into the anatomy and move forward. So with a purpose, you then will need a visual. One minimal visual. If you write anything, you must have a visual. You must. Mike Alton agrees. I just listened to him recently about talking about visuals. In fact, I think Mike Alton stated a BuzzSumo or maybe it was a HubSpot study that says that the most shared written blog posts show a graphic or a visual every 175 to 200 words. Boy, that's a lot of visuals within your writing. In fact, That's way more than I think anyone does. Um, I remember years ago when I first started writing and was trying to add visuals and and get visual content to be part of my work on a regular basis, I remember Neil Patel saying something like every 300 words. Uh, Regardless, if it's 175 or 200, if it's 300, if it's every 500 words, the point is that those visual contents that you create those graphics those um whatever form it takes it could be a chart it can be a screenshot it can be a photo um whatever it is they should be often but you have to have at least one even if you write and then you want more depending on how long your post is so think about a visual now i know a couple creators um who pick their visuals first which i'm not sure how they do that that to me, that's unusual. But maybe if you're usually working with just one a title visual, if that's you, you know your mo, or if you're just starting out and it's the most you can do is the one title visual that you need to have, um, you might want to pick it first. You might want to pick it to go with your topic. You might want to stick it at the top of your screen and just have it there to keep you on track with you know the focus of the article. The idea that you're trying to keep up with that visual might be a cue for you to pick ahead and, you know, put it at the top of the desktop and work from there. Um, for me, I like to add my visuals at the end of my content, unless I'm working from a visual in the idea itself. So sometimes there's visuals in my mind that fit with the idea right from the get go. Other times I, most of the time, my visuals complement the written piece and I bring them in afterwards. That doesn't mean they're not super important. That doesn't mean that they don't take a lot of time and effort. In fact, sometimes my posts are written for a long time before they get published because I'm putting together just the right visuals. And for me, it takes time to think about what's going to work. It takes time to search through photos and you know Canva um it takes time to go through and and search out and a lot of times I'll even save a whole folder of visuals on deposit photos which I use mostly for my work Canva and deposit photos are my key go-to visual creators um and deposit photos will allow you to save in a note in a in the form of a notebook or a file folder um a group of visuals. So sometimes I'll save visuals even, uh, you know, here and there as I'm writing over the course of the the period that I'm writing and I will put some ideas for what I'm thinking in a file and I'll just gather them up. Now, none of them are for sure yet, but I'm starting to get a feel. I'm starting to get an idea. And another thing that I've started to do is kind of color coordinate my visuals within a post. I don't like having a set visual that some some blogs and some businesses do where they have kind of a set visual that makes that visual completely recognizable as belonging to their blog. It's like their MO. It's their signature style visual. That's not me. I'm too free spirit, too, you know, too, I guess free spirit's a great word, but I, I like a little bit more variety. I don't like to be the same. I don't like to be expected (laughs) i don't like the expectation of yep that's her." i like it to be more per fitting to the material so your visuals are are important but they don't have to be something that you do first or last or during they can be whatever works for your process one thing that you want to think about in creating a visual is that that it does make sense to the content um, I see some posts with visuals that have nothing to do with what's written there. They're just somebody threw in a picture. It, it doesn't really help tell the story or it doesn't connect with the story or with the writing or with the idea that they're presenting. It's, it's just a visual. So it's, it's a useless visual in that way if it doesn't make sense to the content. The other thing is it needs to make sense with the content in context with the post, so, you might be p- talking about a topic where that visual somehow does fit that topic, but if it doesn't make sense in the context of the post, it's still just a visual hanging out there. It's not a contextual, meaningful, make sense visual, and that's what you're really after. You want your visuals to add to the post, add to the written word. You want them to be memorable, you want them to be surprising, you want them to be unique. You want them to create some memorability. Bil- uh, memorab- <laughs> Mem- you want them to make sure people remember them, okay? So, another thing that you should do um, <clears throat> is catchy copy. Don't always just put a picture. If a photo speaks louder than words, you don't have to use text. But catchy copy is a great plus to bring forth what you mean with your visuals. Uh, catchy copy can actually make the visual itself give a little lesson or story or make a point. So, you know, I I use a lot of text on my visuals because I'm trying to deepen the meaning of the visual through the copy or with the copy. Also, um, you'll want to remember that you can use copy or a title that is different or or is another synonymous type thing with your meta title so you have a meta title that you're concentrating on keywords and such and that's going to be shown at the beginning of your post why can't your title visual be a different title or headline that also is significant to your post but doesn't repeat what people are seeing written down as the title so you get in that way two possibilities of catching people's attention, drawing them in, and making your title, your your topic more memorable, more inform- informative and more memorable because you catch them with a title title and a visual title and now they've gotten two ideas. Now you've you know, given them a little more taste. You, you've heightened the interest, hopefully, in, in doing it that way. So those are some things to think about with your visual. Again, it can be... At the beginning of your process it can be during your process or it can be at the end of your process but you must have at least at the very least a title visual and if you listen to Mike Alton uh, Neil Patel Buzzsumo HubSpot all those guys that know their stuff when it comes to this you will want to have more than more visuals as you have longer content but again make them memorable and meaningful. Next. um, Oh, and by the way, make sure that they're legal. Make sure that you pay attention to um, copyright or creative commons um, or that you properly credit them. And um, that's why I use the deposit photos, which are paid and that I'm paying for that copyright credit that. Uh, creative Commons usage, so I know I'm clear. Also, you can get free visuals that also clear clear up that copyright and legal issues with Pexels, with Pixabay, and with others. And, um, of course, I'll give you the links to some of these in the show notes on the Mizzy Biz website. M-S-S-Y McSizzle Shake Your, Biz.com Okay, Back to this. So after you have a purpose in mind, you may want to pull a visual to keep you on track or to work with, or you may want to write a headline because you know what that is. Now, often I'll write a headline, but it's really just direction because I don't ever put my headline into my WordPress site and into that headline spot that's going to make a URL until I'm pretty sure it's the one and oftentimes my initial headline my working headline the thing that gives me direction and is at the top of my idea and concept and and is at the top of my writing that original headline may not be the one that is published that is just a starting point now for other people they will create a headline before they start Any writing, and it will be the headline that they work with for sure because it's the keyword research publishable meta tag. It's the headline. However, even if it is the headline, if you do it that way, you should still do a lot of headline research and a lot of headline work, and you should brainstorm the headline. I write 20 or 25 headlines per post. I use the CoSchedule Headline Analyzer or the EMV Marketing uh, Analyzer, which is an emotional value um, headline tester. You can get on either one of those sites, schedule site or the EMV site. I'll give you those links in the notes also. And you can test headlines there and find out if they're resonating. um, And you get a score with CoSchedule that tells you how it is in terms of length, in terms of emotional wording, in terms of strength and power, and so forth. So those are good tools to help you, but make sure you brainstorm that headline. Now, if you start with a working headline or a set headline, that's great. If you wait till the end like me and then confirm it, add it, change it, adjust it, make it the headline before you go to putting it on your WordPress site, that's okay too, just as long as the headline gets a lot of attention. Why? because your headline does all the work some people say that your headline is the difference of whether people will click or read anything so if you don't score big on your headline it doesn't matter how great your content is or what you have to say people won't get past that headline and get there so that's how important it is Um, some people say it's eighty percent of the work in a blog post your headline, just to give you an idea of how important that is. It is, in some people's minds, the most important piece of your content. And um, it makes a difference on whether people read your work. It's a, it has a big job by enticing people to click. It has a really big job to do. Next, um, I usually work in a couple ways. Sometimes I start with a starting piece of writing. I'll write out a couple sentences, ideas, a paragraph or two that I know is kind of the direction that I'm thinking about or where I want to go. And I'll just put those down to give me a starting point. But what I've been doing and finding out more and more and more as I go that works and that is helpful to keep you on track, especially if you're like me and you tend to have a lot of ideas, and you start writing and you never know where it's going to go, sometimes it's a good idea and a good thing to do for I like to do now is to maybe outline my ideas. Um, If you outline or if you, you know, bullet point ideas, and then you dump them all out, then you can rearrange them and reorganize them. If you just get those ideas out in a bullet form, or if you make an outline, you know, at least you're getting everything that you want out in a simple form. Then you can go back and think, hmm, the order of this outline should be this, or I should talk about this before that. And then you can fine tune. It's at that point that you can start to you know, fine-tune and rearrange and whatever. But having a headline or writing down a bunch of bullet points or just writing a series of paragraphs or sentences, something that gives me direction is sometimes a good way to go, a better way to go to keep you on track and to give you flow in a way that makes sense. Of course, editing is going to do a lot later, but this helps, I think, to make it more concise and to work from the get-go. So you might want to try, if you're not outlining to do that, or at least like I say bullet points. I didn't outline it when I first started at all. <laughs> I outlined after I wrote the post. And of course, that's another way that you can do it. That's another process. You can write your post and then read through and realize that, hmm, this doesn't make sense. This should be, this should be first. This should be second. And it's way down here at the end. I need to move it up. This doesn't even belong here. I went off on a tangent. Let's cross this all out. Um, so uh, in, in the beginning, I used to outline and put it back in order after it was all written in a rough draft. I find that if I think it through a little more and if I work to get my main ideas into a form of bullet points or an outline, it gives me better direction and it helps the flow of the article usually go better for me and it makes for a whole lot less changing editing and throwing parts away. So If you have a headline, if you have a big idea, if you have a purpose, you're already ahead, the outline is just kind of putting the thoughts that fit those things together. Then you expand on there. However, you need to concentrate really hard on the intro. The intro is going to be next to the headline, possibly the most important part of your The reason is the intro, or what some people call the lead, and that can be spelled L-E-D-E, or lead like L-E-A-D, but L-E-D-E for copywriters and and such, that lead is, is, or intro, you know, if you just want to be a, call it a writer, you know, every writer calls it an intro, the lead, the writer, the intro. This is when you're introducing the subject matter, But why it's so important is, like the headline, this is going to make the difference of whether people read on. So if you really have a strong intro, if you make it fun, if you make it interesting, if you blow them away with the initial thought or idea that something out of the water, if you do all those things in your intro, you will entice people to move on. If you have a strong intro, people will read on. So the intro or the lead is very very important so take some time again some people write their lead last they write the whole thing and then they pull it all together in that bam statement lead for me I usually write the lead first the intro first because I'm usually working off of an idea not just a purpose but I've got an idea I then will decide how that idea is going to be a post and have a purpose you know where I'm going to spin the idea into belonging, into my strategy, and the purpose that I'm going to have for readers as they go through. Um, Always want to have, you know, an ending with a call to action. So it's really important that your lead jump in there and pull kind of that huge statement of the headline together and really Pull readers into wanting to read the body and the content that you're about to provide. So make it a strong lead. Make sure that the lead has something to do with the headline so that people are not feeling tricked like, I read this headline, now this lead is something else. They have to coordinate You don't want to confuse people, you don't want to put people off, but you want to still make the lead even stronger than the headline because they're going to be glad they clicked, wow, this is good, I want to keep going. That's what you want to induce, that's what you want people to feel. So next I do the lead or the intro. Again, this might be rewritten and some people wait till they write the whole entire piece of work and then they go back and they pull a strong lead. They write their intro from there because now they know what is the BAM that they want to hit people with to pull them along to keep reading. And then in your body, it again, it's, like, it's really like anything. You want to have an intro, a middle, and an end. So you have a lead. For your intro, you have a middle, which is the body of your work, and then you have an end, which is the conclusion. And in the case of writing digitally, it will include a call to action, also in other writing, but we're talking about digital blog post anatomy today for a blog post online. So you in your body and, and in uh, your intro, your middle body and your end, you want to think about a series of points. Um, Again, they may be reflected in your outline, so your body might come together really easy because you might be able to see the series of points in your outline that that are going to be the main content, the body. And you may want to do a series of points supported with examples or data or research to to, um, prove your assumptions or to back your assumptions, to uh, give your idea, proof or an example. You might want to even have a format of how you present your body or your points by having the idea or the point, and then having proof, and then having an example. So you might have a format within the format. So within the body, which is, you know, the middle, the intro, middle, end, the body is your middle, you still might want to have another structure within the body, like where you offer an idea, proof, and an example with each point. So... Another thing is that um, if you do this structure, a skeleton structure, and then you expand on it later and you get the order of the flow that you want it, you ultimately end up back to an outline. Or your outline can you know, give you the skeleton structure that then expands into, even if you freestyle the format and even if you don't follow... A format like the idea proof example if you just freestyle the format either way you want will end up back in the flow of the points from your outline. I hope that made sense. A <laughs> little bit of a circle there. Um, another hint for you right here is you want to track and you want to record your links etc. As you're collecting sources, as you're writing ideas and samples and examples and giving your proof, you want to always be crediting your resources appropriately. Your resources, your sources, and your links. So record those things along the way and make sure that you give proper credit as you go through the material. Um, And in the body, you'll also want to be thinking about not only doing things properly in terms of the content you deliver, whether it's expanding from the skeleton of your outline or whether it's in a format like idea-proof example, Um, either way, you'll want to, and you also want to check, make sure you track and record links and that you check those and credit those properly. Uh, Along that line, you'll also have other structural uh, objectives um, in this body part. In other words, you'll want to use white space. You'll want to have subheads, and the subheads will need to make sense in the flow. In other words, subheads should tell their own story. Subheads should be for skimmers who don't read any of the copy, but they still can go from heading to heading to heading and get the gist of what you're trying to say. So subheads pull some weight. They actually help break up the copy they help you make use of white space that we just mentioned also you want to use bullets and lists you'll want to also um have your content flow with some kind of perimeters um And you'll want to have standouts in there like quotes and stuff like that. Also, when you're writing your main copy and your body, you may want to think about your SEO and your meta details because they are part of the writing process, uh, at least these days in the digital world sphere. So you're thinking about search engine optimization. You're thinking about the meta details that you're going to write that are going to help the search engines find find your article and find this valuable content. And all this is part of the writing process. So it's getting deeper as we go, right? You definitely want to have all that involved. And that's some um, kind of part of those structural objectives. But The SEO and meta details are kind of even behind the scenes. They're not really something that your audience sees like white space and use of subheads, but they're still important details into creating a valuable post. Also, the fine editing details would be the last thing that's important. And, of course, you're going to fine edit the whole thing, but you're going to want to remember as you're writing the body that you want to maintain flow. You want the, the order of your thoughts to make sense. You want to credit relevant sources. You want to keep search en- engines in mind. You want to use proper grammar and proper punctuation and white space and visuals. So all of this is part of the fine editing, I think, To make sure that all of this is covered, but it's all really kind of part of this body work portion of the process, right? So then you want to have, once you have all of that kind of in order, you've got a strong headline or you're going to work that out once you have everything down. Um, You have a super strong and powerful and enticing lead to bring people in. Your outline has helped you to take your ideas that were dumped out of your head and put them in some kind of order and then your body helps you to create the copy to support the outline or expand on the outline and to support the headline and to keep readers interested and to follow through the flow of the series of points that you're trying to make and then... It all ends with the strong close. You wrap up all your main points, or maybe you sum up everything in a statement, or maybe you do a quick, you know, here's what we talked about, bullet point, whatever. You're trying to reiterate your big idea. And remember, you want to end with something memorable because that's the last thing that they read is the end of the article. So you want that strong lead, that strong headline, bam, To get them going, you want that strong close, bam, so they remember it and they end with something memorable. And finally, don't forget, when you're especially in the digital sphere, you want to have a call to action. You want to let people know when they're done with the read, what do they do next? What do you want them to do next? So with your CTA, you're trying to create a path and you're building a relationship with your reader by giving them the path to follow, and to want to follow, they're going to want to follow and go along with you, right? Finally, you're going to go back, and you're going to triple check every single detail that I've already discussed before you publish. You're going to go back, and you're going to add internal links to things on your own website to go along with the resources and the links and the resource information and links that you already collected and checked while you're writing or, or the from the research that you're using in your writing. You're going to make sure you have those links um, collected. They're correct. You're going to want to make sure all the links work. You're going to want to make sure that you have the Um, links open in a new window so people aren't taken off of your site as soon as they link. You want to have that target blank set up on your site so that they aren't driven from your site when they hit the links and so forth. You're going to want to check, did you add visuals? Do they make sense? Are they in context? Do they add to your idea? Something that's not in the writing. Or did they bring something more? Whoa, that would be really great. You want to check all those links, even though you put them in and you thought they were all working. You want to still check them before you hit publish and make sure they're working and they're working to another page if that was the plan. You want to add your click to tweet things into your article. And that's one of the last things that I do sometimes. And I... Once in a while, i have to go back after I publish and add those. Don't forget to add your click-to-tweet. Even if you're not a Twitterer, remember, other people are and you want your content shared. You want your content to shared to other platforms. And so even if you're not on those platforms, maybe you're getting a new audience with some help from your audience, which is great. And then, again, double-check all your edits. Now, on the show notes for today, I'm going to give you a wrap-up uh, or an outline of this process and of these important things, but I'm going to go one step further, and I'm going to give you an infographic by my friend Henika that will take you through the whole process. It took her seven years to make this infographic, and I'm going to put it up there on the show notes for you so that you can really go through the whole process of what it is to be a blogger, a business writer, a content creator because she talks about it from like A to Z and she has a brand new infographic and I'm going to share it on my site with you. So that's Henika from Enchanted Enchanting Marketing and look for her infographic at Mizzy Biz Mix Sizzle and Shake Your Business. M-S-S-Y-B-I-Z dot com. And next up on the next show, we're going to be hearing from Lisa Saccard, who I write for and who I love. Lisa's awesome. And she is a social media. I don't know. Star, superstar. She's an expert. She's a, she's in you see her everywhere. Everyone knows her. She's all over the web. She's all over Rhode Island. She's just an awesome person and I love writing for Inspire to Thrive. I love being part of that website. But Lisa has a big announcement. Yes. She's going to make it here on the Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business podcast. So please tune in for the next episode with my guest, Lisa Saccard. Please tune in to my last episode, if you missed it, with Sharon Hurley-Hall. Wow, guys, am I getting some great people on or what? And thank you for listening. Once again, this is Sue Ann signing off. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks for checking out this Write Mix for Business presentation. Remember, if you need to bling your blog, or you need help with any content assets for your business, Write Mix for Business. Yep.